in communion and so forth, Bible study, worship, it'll be great. Come join us, 4 o'clock this afternoon. With that, we've got a Bible study. We are in Revelation chapter 18. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you so you can follow along with us. Revelation 18, first service, we also went to Daniel 5, so you can take your bulletin and your voter guide and pop it in there. We're going to be going there later. Daniel 5 also. Revelation 18. I had one of the um, comments, best comments, after first service. Um, And the person uh, was sharing with me that um, they've never been to a church that teaches Revelation. And it was just like, wow, so encouraging because they were saying it was such a blessing because I've only listened to teachings from other, they don't teach it in my church, but I've listened to other people teaching it and they make it all mystical and magical and come up with all these different things and I've never heard it taught uh, verse by verse, literal interpretation of God's word and that's how we do it. It's like, um, it's just a blessing to be able to go through God's word and is that a little amen over there? Thank you. It's awesome. Isn't that great? Perfect timing. Yeah. Now, now he's bummed he has to leave. So keep him around somewhere in the house. So, uh, and this, listen, this is the only book that comes with a threefold blessing attached to it. Right? Didn't we, I know we learned that about two years ago when we started this book. But there's a blessing attached to those who read, those who hear, and those who keep what is written in this book. I mean, did anybody want to get blessed this morning? You've come to the right place. Did anybody come saying, I don't want don't, enough blessing in my life, no more? No, there's a blessing as we dig in and read and listen and study. And then, not just so we know a bunch of stuff but that we would put into practice those things that God ministers to our hearts this morning. And so, Revelation 18, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this special morning that you have given us to be together. Another morning, Lord, where we have breath and life and the opportunity to sing and to lift up our voices and our hearts and our hands to you, the one who is worthy of all of our thanks, our praise, our adoration. And now, Lord, as we open your word, as we continue to worship you, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that by your spirit, you would change us. You would transform us. We are in desperate need of a fresh work of your spirit this morning. And so, would you do that, Lord? We thank you for the great things that you are going to do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God's word says, Revelation 18, verse 1, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. 
and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same manner give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. I just want to stop right there just for a moment. Um, I think it's important that we always remember our context of where we are in this book. We are closing in on chapter 19, where we find the end of this uh, future time period called the tribulation period. The tribulation is how long? How many years? Seven years, right, where God's wrath is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. Chapter 6 through 19 um, covers that time period in the future. I do not believe, um, and I think Scripture is pretty clear, that we will not be here during that time period as the bride of Christ. Why? Because Jesus is coming to get his church. We are not appointed Unto wrath. Jesus said to his committed followers, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. How awesome that's going to be when Jesus comes back. Any moment his return is imminent for his bride to get us out of here before the wrath comes upon planet Earth. And so um, as we look at this, chapter 17 and 18, we, looked at, we finished chapter 17 last week, but we've found ourselves the, in a parenthetical break or a, a pause or an intermission where the chronology of the tribulation period is now stopped for just a moment in order for us to get more information and more insight concerning what's going to be happening during the tribulation period, um, concerning the main players during the tribulation period, um, and even more insight and understanding we are given about the Lord and about us as well as we read through this application for us um, in chapter 17, you may remember from the last two weeks, we learn about the future judgment of Babylon. And Babylon, listen, in my opinion, is very hard to pinpoint and define exactly. Um, Babylon is personified throughout the scriptures. There's 300 mentions of Babylon, or approximately 300 mentions of Babylon in the scripture and um, she, it's, Babylon's always personified as a woman. Um, we saw last week as a great harlot. Um, as we've looked, she's very powerful, very influential, very seductive, and very, um, very successful at what she does. And um, Babylon, listen, this morning, Babylon affects all of our lives, even currently, right now. Anything, I believe anything or anyone that would try to seduce us to take us away from Jesus Christ um, is Babylon or is connected with Babylon. In fact, I believe Babylon is synonymous with the world. What do I mean by the world? Remember what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 2. Please listen, I'm going to read it. It may come up on the scoreboard, but I'm going to read it to us. Some of you know these verses already. The Apostle John writes to us and he says... Do not love the world. And when you hear that, don't think, I can't love my puppy anymore. <laughs> I, I, I can't love this. I can't love that. The world speaks of this world system with its morals, with its philosophies, with its direction, 
um, that is anti-God, anti-Jesus, against the Lord's word. That's the idea. Do not love the world or, he says, the things in the world that are connected. If anyone loves the world, check this out, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, check it out, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And so, as we consider the world, listen, the Apostle Paul said, I'm crucified to the world, and the world's crucified to me. I'm dead to the the worldly system that would take me away from Jesus, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The world's dead to me, crucified to me, and I'm crucified to the world as well. And so um, she's a city, remember back in chapter 17, verse 18, the woman whom you saw, Babylon, is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So she's not only a system that is anti-God, anti-Christ, she's also a city as well. And we see that ancient Babylon, the city, um, uh, will be revived at some point, rebuilt there, I believe, between the Euphrates and the Tigris River in uh, modern-day Iraq in order for these prophecies to be fulfilled. Um, Babylon is reflected spiritually, and we're going to see this morning commercially or economically as well. And based upon last week's Bible study, it seems, it seems to me that halfway, approximately halfway through the tribulation period, how, how long is that again? Three and a half years. Through the tribulation period, um, what's going to happen? That religious Babylon will be judged. This facet of Babylon will be judged this Babylonianish, is that a word? Babylonianish? Babylonish? Whatever. This Babylon one world religious system will be replaced, remember, will be replaced by what? The worship of the Antichrist. The Antichrist who's come on the scene, right? Popular guy, leader, comes on the scene. He does what? He proclaims himself as God, goes into the rebuilt temple. You guys remember this? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we've talked about this. He will demand to be worshipped, and Babylon will be bucked, will be kicked out, booted, uh, torn apart, ripped up, and burned up, we learned last week. And so the Antichrist, when he makes his move to be the ruler of the world, he's done with religion, with this one world religious system. She has fulfilled his purposes, and now it's like, kick to the curb, see you later. He's the only one that wanted worship or will want worship at that time. In chapter 18 now, just a little little heads up, we learn about the future judgment of commercial or economic Babylon towards the latter half of the tribulation, toward the end of the tribulation. And um, as we read through this, um, we only got through a few verses this morning, but Babylon is also reflected as we read through the entire chapter as a one-world economic system that uh, has an open contempt for God. Um, the one, one day it's going to be wiped out completely and fully. If you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to check out Jeremiah chapter 50 through 51 and Isaiah 13 and 14. When you, it won't take you very long to read through those chapters but it speaks of this future judgment of Babylon. And it's, when you read through that, you're like, wow, that's exactly what it's being said in Revelation chapter 18. It's awesome. And it helps us understand that, helps us not only understand about God's prophetic word, but it also helps us realize that Babylon will be judged and we don't want to be anywhere near Babylon. <laughs> We don't want to be anywhere near Babylon, involved in Babylon. In fact, we read that there in verse 4 where God speaks and says, Come out of her, my people. Don't be involved lest judgment come upon you. And by the way, the single great mark of Babylon throughout history is idolatry. Is idolatry and the seduction of human lives, pulling people away from the Lord. And so the main point, she's going to be judged and those connected with her will be judged. Let's look at uh, verse 1 together. 
chapter 18, verse 1, after these things. And anytime you see that, what do you have to say? After what things? After what things? In chapter 17, John received a sneak preview of coming attractions in the tribulation, gaining insight and information. The angel showed John the judgment of spiritual Babylon and the rise of the Antichrist as well. And then notice John sees another angel, check this out, coming from the presence of God, heading from heaven, and this angel's got tons of authority and power and influence. And notice what happens when he shows up. And his splendor and brilliance does what? Lights up the entire globe. Can you imagine? He comes down and wah, wah. He lights the place up, the entire planet. And then he yells. Notice what he says, verse 2. He's got the volume cranked way up. Babylon is fallen. Is Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. And so this mighty angel makes a proclamation about the complete wipeout of Babylon. And we're going to see um, there's three reasons uh, to begin with here um, why she's under judgment. And as we read through, check this out, this large, this large prosperous city during the end times, uh, the economic center of the world is going to fall. The point is she will be judged, she will be wiped out. And what's important to take note of is what's the reason? Well, look what it says, number one. It says there in verse 2, she has become a dwelling place of demons. In, in, in other words, she's become a home for demons. The demonic realm is connected with Babylon. Behind all of the beauty, the splendor, all that she's offering, behind her is a demonic entity, a demonic force. There's demons and darkness involved. And not just that, what else, what else is, is marked at Babylon? Bondage and incarceration. Notice what it says. There's prisons, there's cages, and a haven for every sinful thing is what marks Babylon. And Babylon is trying to turn people away from God towards the worship of material things, towards money, towards, towards materialism, towards uh, stuff. And what's the result when, when you turn away from the Lord and, you, and covetousness and you live for covetousness, you live for greed, you live for stuff, it, it's bondage, gang. It's bondage. To live for the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We can't satisfy our flesh, can we? Our flesh is like a forest fire. And so Babylon caters to that, to materialism, and to covetousness. And, and I just want to remind us this morning, Jesus is into freedom. Jesus said, if the sun sets you free, you are free Indeed, maybe you're struggling this morning with materialism, with greed, with, as a Christian. It's, it's a dangerous place to be in. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But it's like maybe you're really, that's a struggle for you. Can I just encourage you this morning that, that the Lord wants to bring you freedom? He came to set the prisoners free. And he wants to set you free in that area as you surrender it to him. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to walk in righteousness, to walk in the things that he would have for us, and not to walk in covetousness or greed or after material things. In fact, look at the next part of that verse, verse uh, actually verse 3. She intoxicated, how many people does she intoxicate? All the nations, every nation. When they, became, when they become intimately connected with her, she offers a cup, doesn't she? We talked about this last week. She offers a cup, and it's beautiful, and you can choose to drink it or not drink it. Also, the Lord offers a cup, doesn't he? The cup of salvation, the cup of forgiveness in his blood. He said the new covenant, this is the new covenant in my blood. Take the cup in remembrance of me, proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. She offers a cup, and her desire is, check this out, her desire is to bring you under her influence. In fact, notice it says, drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Being drunk, some of us came out of a drinking background. And by the way, drunkenness is a sin. It's not a disease. just want to make sure we're on the same page. You don't walk by a bar, someone sneezes, and now you're sick. It's a choice. It's a practice. 
but drunkenness affects your faculties. It jacks up your reason, your judgment. The direction you move and go, your thinking becomes all messed up as well. And so what does she do? She offers a cup, and what happens to your judgment? It gets messed up, your reason gets messed up, and then notice also fornication is attached to her as well, or sexual immorality. In this case, as we learned last week, we're not talking about physical uh, sexual immorality, which is also condemned in the scriptures. We're talking about spiritual adultery or spiritual immorality. And when the Bible speaks of sexual immorality in that context, it speaks of idolatry. It speaks of idolatry, the worship of any created thing over the Lord, um, where things are of ultimate importance. Um, you have no time for God. You're living for created things. My focus, is on, my focus on things is more important than God. And when God looks at that, he looks, th- he looks at that the same way a person would look at their spouse who just cheated on them. It's painful. It hurts. There's anger. And so when, when, when believers all of a sudden depart from the Lord, depart from the faith, or, or drift away from abiding in the Lord, and they start to worship created things, the Lord looks at that and says, that's spiritual immorality. And throughout the scriptures, that's what the Bible says. That's what the scriptures teach. And so um, we look at Babylon and And notice what else it says about Babylon. Not only is she offering a drink of wine of the wrath of her fornication, but kings, leaders of the world, are connected also with her intimately um, in fornication. And not just that, so this world economic system seduces and intoxicates the kings of the earth. But notice the last part of that verse too. It says, who are the merchants of the earth? What people are those? Business people. Businessmen, businesswomen, it says there, and companies around the globe became super wealthy by what she offers. And so Babylon is materially seductive, if you will. And so this godless system brings in a lot of money and plays to our covetousness and to our greed. In fact, didn't Jesus say something about that? Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, check it out. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus says straight up, you cannot serve God and mammon, or material stuff, or money, or goods, or whatever. The Apostle Paul um, wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. It's interesting, he's talking about, in context, people using godliness as a means for gain. He says, now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Parents, we can testify to that, can't we? Your babies bring in pearls and stuff, and they came with nada, right? Nothing. Except a bunch of goo and whatever. <laughs> Don't mean to gross you out before lunch. And Paul's like, listen, we brought nothing in. We're not taking anything out. And having food and clothing, or food and covering, with these we shall be content. But, check this out, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And then check this out. This is heavy, man. For the love of money is a root, not the root, is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. Did you guys catch that? Some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That, that is so heavy to me, but we see it in the church, don't we? You ask, hey, what happened to Jimmy Don Johnson? They're not coming to church. They're out of fellowship. What happened? 
Oh, they're so busy. Last time I talked to him, he said he didn't have time to gather with the saints. What's he doing? He's just living for a paycheck. He's living for this and to make money and to... And it's sad because now they've strayed from the faith. And what does it say? In their greediness, and they've pierced themselves through with not just one sorrow, with many sorrows. And so Paul says to Timothy, warn the church about the love of money. It is dangerous about covetousness and greed because Babylon is catering to that. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. You got to have more of this. You got to have more of that. You'll be satisfied if you have this. And you'll be satisfied if you have that. If you had this better car, this better house, this better job. And, and it caters to our flesh, doesn't it? And you think, oh, if I just get this, I'll be happy. If I just get this, I'll be content. If I just have that, I'll be satisfied. Just a little more. And what happens? You get it? It's like, you guys ever see those, uh, those wands, the bubble thing? And you blow it. You guys ever seen those? And the, bubble, and, and the sunlight, what do they do? They shine beautifully. I used to do that for my kids when they were little. Okay, guys, ready? Whip it up, get it going. And it would go, and they'd be, oh, look at beautiful. And they'd run, and they'd try to catch it, and what would happen? Gone. And what a picture of chasing after the things of this world. They look so beautiful. Oh, if I could just get that, it looks so beautiful. Gone. And what did Solomon teach us in Ecclesiastes, gang? Here's a guy who had everything, every resource. He could do whatever he wanted. Y'all remember Solomon? You guys look at me kind of funny. You remember Solomon? And what did he do to try to fill the emptiness in his heart and in his soul? He tried everything under the sun. Here's a guy who could do everything. He had unlimited resources, everything at his fingertips. And what was the conclusion he came to after amassing stuff and gathering this and having that? He said, it's what? All vanity, emptiness, under the sun. And listen, this is not a condemnation of having nice things because Paul's going to go on in that chapter to talk about that. But our possessions are not to possess us. God has given us all things richly to enjoy. The problem is when we start to live for those things, we start to party with Babylon and begin to live for her rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, a voice from heaven speaks. Who could this be? Who do you guys think this is speaking? I think the text tells us. It it explains itself, doesn't it? John says, I heard another voice from heaven. And what did this voice say? Come out of her. Who's her, by the way? Babylon. Come out of her, my people. Are you God's people this morning? Are we his peeps? Yes. We're his people. You know what that tells us? There were some of God's people in a place they shouldn't be. Correct? Partying with Babylon. You been partying with Babylon? Hanging out with Babylon? The Lord's saying to you, come out right now. Get away from the city to those in the tribulation. Get away from that city, the system, all that she offers, her cup of wine to get you drunk, to get you to party with her, to get you in in bed with her, fornication. And God is saying, come out of her, my people. Don't get anywhere near her. Get away from her. Separate yourselves from this city and this system at once. Why? Lest is a reason word. Lest you share in her sins. That word share is koinonia. Isn't that interesting? To unite life. Right? Koinonia. Fellowship. That's what we get to do, right? As Christians, we fellowship with one another. We participate. That's what the word means, too. To participate together in life together as his followers. And he's saying, get away from her, lest you become a partaker in her sins, lest you, look at the next part of the verse, lest you what? Lest you receive of her plagues. If you become a participant, you will be a recipient of the judgment that will come upon her. That's heavy. This is for us. This is for the Jesus people, gang. This is for you and me this morning. Does God want to ruin our fun? Is that, what he, is that why that's there? 
and make your life really super miserable? Our, our kids think that, don't, don't they, parents? Oh, I can't do that. You're making my life miserable. I can't stick the fork in the outlet. <laughs> You're ruining my fun. Our kids think that, don't they? There's kids who are laughing, I know. Parents, too. You're trying to ruin our fun. Is that parents? Are we trying to ruin their fun? Wait, we're trying. So we sit in bed at night. Okay, honey, how can we jack up their lives tomorrow? Oh, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Can't wait to get up. Let's jack them up. Is that parents? Is that what we do? Don't you want the best for your kids? Blessed life, right? To walk with Jesus, that's the best life, to walk with Jesus, to know his word, to know the word of God and to know the God of the word. Not just know about him or a bunch of head knowledge about him, but to know him, to walk with him. Not know more about Babylon, to know more about him. Life's not about Babylon. Life's found in Jesus Christ. When he appears, Christ, our life, he's our life. Not material stuff, not money, not, not goods, not even our jobs, by the way. We're not going to get to that this week. Life is, life is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. And he says, don't be participating in her sins. And we are to be in the world, but not of the world, correct? Is that correct? This morning, are we all on the same page? Remember what Jesus said about that? Remember when he prayed in John chapter 17? I'm going to read it real quick. To be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus said in John 17, 11, Now I am no longer in the world. He's praying to the Father. Father, now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. My followers, they're still in the world. I got to go. I'm coming home, Father. These, my committed followers, they're in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Chapter 17, verse 14, Jesus goes on and says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Isn't that interesting? No, not to you guys. It's interesting to me. Jesus says, my committed followers, they're going to get some heat. They're going to get some static. They're going to get some hatred. Why? Because they're not of the world anymore. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. In fact, Jesus said earlier in uh, John chapter 15, he also said something else. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus chose us out of the world. He's called us out of the world, not to live for the things of the world, but to live for him, how does that work out? It's contact without contamination. That makes sense, y'all? How was Jesus in the world but not of it? He, was, he made contact with people. Why? To rescue them, to save them, to bring them into a right relationship with the Father, not to get involved with all the junk, with all the filth, with all the, the, the sin and evil of the world, but to, because sin ruins lives. He came to rescue us from sin. The Lord wants to use you and I in the same way. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. Can I illustrate? I'm still seeing some blank stares. Can I illustrate? A boat in the ocean. It is in the ocean, but not of the ocean. Correct? Floating, right? Right? But if that boat begins to take on water, what happens? It goes down, man. Just like us in the world. We start to take on the world. What's going to begin to happen? We're going to sink, man. Still seeing blank stares. How about this illustration? Anybody live by the five-second rule? 
guys know what I'm talking about? Or is it three seconds? Is it three or five? Five, a little extra time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. You can find out. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you don't abide by that rule? Really? No, no fight. No, uh, don't, no, no, don't do that to my child. Anybody here? Two or three people? The rest of you, hallelujah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, my, my kids are all good. You know, it was like, drop that food. You know? <laughs> Binkies too, right? Just... <laughs> I, I actually, I learned my lesson this week. I lo- listen, I get, Tanya buys these mixed nuts for me, and I eat all the Brazil nuts. And uh, one, I had one, it slipped out of my hand, it bounced underneath our, uh, our island. And I'm just like... And we have a cat. Oh, so, that, that's all, good, good. Good. Gross. You guys grossed out yet? Okay. We're to be in the world, but not of it. It is wise to separate ourselves from that which God says he will judge. It's not just separation from, listen, it's not just separation from, but separation unto the Lord. It's to get as close as I can to Jesus, to walk with him day by day, moment by moment, in a real relationship, not just talking the talk, not just a bunch of head stuff, not just checking a box on Sunday, but walking with the Lord every single day. I separate, my, separate myself unto him, a blank check for the Lord. Lord, here's my life. That's how, that's how Solomon started, by the way, his life. Lord, here's my life. Do what you want. And some of us started out that way. It's like, Lord, thank you for rescuing me, saving me, forgiving me, giving me a fresh start. Here's my life. Blank check. Do whatever you want, Lord. But then something happens over time. We can drift away from where we need to be in that same place every day of saying, Lord, here's my life afresh again for you. We separate ourselves, as God calls us, come out of her, my people. And I would like to say this morning, you're listening and you're saying, oh yeah, that's cool, whatever. Let me just share this with you. Don't mistake God's patience for his approval. Don't mistake God's patience for his approval. Just because you're getting away with something, and you know you shouldn't be, you're engaged with Babylon, partying with Babylon, nothing's happening, man, I'm cool, me and the big guy upstairs, we're good, sleeping with my girlfriend, that's cool, smoking a little here and there, you know, getting bombed on once in a while, and my business is blessed, everything's cool, getting good grades, listen, God, that's not God's endorsement for what you're engaged in. He is patient. He is long-suffering. It is his, listen, it is his goodness that leads us to repentance. He hasn't brought judgment. He hasn't brought correction. Because he's so gracious, so merciful, so good. And the Bible says, do not harden your hearts if you hear his voice. Speaking, speak, Lord. Look at verse 5 says, her sins were piled so high, kind of like the Tower of Babel. They touched the heaven. They got God's attention. And God did not forget about what she had done. God has remembered her iniquities. Can I encourage us, brothers and sisters, in Christ, our sins and our lawless deeds, he will remember no more. Isn't that beautiful? The forgiveness that we have in Christ. Render to her the instruction. Here's the instruction. Render to Babylon what she gave you for all she has done. Give her what? This is verse 5, or verse 6 rather. 
All she has done, give her two times the judgment. And by the way, under the Old Testament economy, thieves, Exodus, I think it's Exodus 22, thieves were required to give double restitution if they were busted, caught. And then it says, mix up a double, give her a double, double recompense. God says to Babylon, I'm going to repay you double for what you've done to humanity. You've been ripping off Men, women, and children, not only material, financially, but you're, take, you're ripping them off from me. You're kidnapping them, pulling them away from me. And what she had done, or what she's done in terms of rebellion against God, deception, hurt, pain, brought to men and women, um, listen, she has earned severe consequences. And, and studying this week, just kind of reading this, stealing people from God is a big deal. You know, stealing from God's a big deal. <laughs> stealing people from God's a big deal. I, I've been praying for whoever it was that stole the catalytic converter off our van, <laughs> the church van. You know, someone did that. Dude, what one to you, bro? <laughs> You're going to rip off the church, steal our catalytic converter? It's the Lord's. You're stealing from Him. Or dudes, bros, whatever, whoever it was. But you steal people from the Lord? Whew. Look out, man. Leading people away from Jesus is dangerous. Woe unto you. And this is a very sobering thought, especially, listen this morning, especially considering the influence that we have in other people's lives as parents as educators, as ministers, as witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't, ever, we don't ever want to lead someone away from the Lord. Jesus said, he who does not gather with me scatters. Either you're for me or you're against me. We want to be for him, gathering people in, pointing people to Jesus. Amen? Ba- Babylon's trying to take a following after her, but we are to point people to follow Jesus. Amen? Good? Verse 7, to the extent that she glorified herself, she honored and exalted herself. Is it a good idea to exalt yourself? He who exalts himself shall be what? Jesus said, humbled. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. She's glorified herself. Look what it says. What what else did she do? What brought judgment upon her? Self-glorification, pride. And by the way, God will share his glory with no man. Correct? She lived luxuriously, lived sensuously, a life lived after the flesh with no regard for God. And then she says in her heart, notice that inside, what is she saying? I'm royalty. I'm a queen. I'm not alone. I'll never see sadness. I'm indestructible. I'm invincible. I'm untouchable. I'm in charge. How many, how many people are living like that right now? We had a guy I shared first service, precious brother, got saved in our church, was on fire, discipled, serving, drifted away from the Lord, It can happen to any of us, by the way. Drifted away from the Lord. The next time I saw him was on his deathbed. And I I walked through that with him. But he was saying to me that, he said, Pastor, I thought I was 10, 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You know what that means? I thought I was indestructible. No one can touch me. He ended up going home to be with the Lord. Out of that body, out of the tent, home with Jesus, new glorified body for all eternity. But it was such a reminder of the danger of pride in our hearts, gang. We are all susceptible to that, and we're typically the last one to realize it, aren't we? What is our protection from pride? Let me tell you, right here. 
the mirror of God's word. Spending time with the Lord. And what happens? He shows us the condition of our hearts. Just as a mirror, as James said, the word of God is a mirror. Just as a physical mirror shows us our physical condition, the spiritual mirror shows us our spiritual condition. And we either say, Lord, I'm hearing you. I need to make an adjustment. I'll confess. I'll repent. And I'll trust in the power of your spirit to help me walk in this. Or we harden our heart and keep going the same direction. And we keep getting the same results. Isn't that the definition of insanity? Keep going the same definition? Something like that? Same, de- same direction? In what? Expecting the different results? Our protection is the word of God. Following the Lord's example of serving, of washing feet, keeps us in a, pra- uh, in a place of servanthood. It keeps us in a place of brokenness and humility. And so, we finish with verse 8. That's where we finish first service. All right, we did it. In a moment's time, judgment will come. There will be loss of life, heavy grieving, no food. That's what famine means. She will be completely consumed with fire. Because why? Because God's not weak. The Lord, strong is the Lord God, and his judgment will will reflect his strength. And over and over, I encourage you to read ahead, over and over, don't close your Bibles yet, over and over, don't close your Bibles yet, over and over, we see it happened in one day, one hour, one moment, just like that, boom, judgment came. Why am I bringing this up? Daniel chapter 5. Isn't that what I mentioned earlier to keep, keep your thingy in there? Guys, remember the context? Nebuchadnezzar. Remember King Nebi? Passed off the scene. Son, son is raised up as the king in Babylon. Anybody remember his name? Bonus round. Belshazzar. That's right. Daniel chapter 5. So, so Belshazzar, what's he doing in chapter 5? He's throwing a big old party at his palace. And they're, getting, they're drinking out of the, the red cups, the plastic cups. <laughs> and Belshazzar, they got all the big wigs, all the heavy hitters are there. And Belshazzar's like, these cups ain't working. Go into the storehouse and get out the ones my dad ripped off from God's house, the gold ones, the silver ones. Bring them in here. Remember, that's when King Nebuchadnezzar came, right? Babylonians conquered the house of God, Jerusalem, ripped off all that stuff, all the goodies. Now they're in storage. Belshazzar's like, bring them out, man. Let's get them, let's get it rolling. Start pouring the wine. Let's tip it back. And they're praising the gods of silver and gold. Wow, this is awesome, man. And then all of a sudden, what happened? God sent a hand from heaven. Mini, mini, tickle you farson. Why are you laughing? That's what it said. <laughs> right? Can you imagine? All of a sudden, you just see this hand, no arm attached. What happened to Bell? Shazar, he was freaking out. Knees are knocking. I'm not going to say exactly what all that means in the Hebrew, but it's gross. He's spooked. And so what does he do? You guys remember what he does? Don't be peeking. Just remember what he does? He calls in his wizards, his magicians, all those tapped into the demonic realm and darkness. I need help. How many people turn to, turn to that today? Sorcery marks Babylon, by the way. We're going to get to that next week. Bring in the wizards. Bring in the magicians. Bring in the soothsayers. Get the astrologers. Get our horoscopes out. Get all... could, they, could, they, could they figure out the writing on the wall? But then the queen mum comes in. The queen mum comes in. And what does she say? Forget about it. Is that what she <laughs> What did she say? Hey, don't worry. There is a guy in the kingdom. His name is Daniel, and the Holy Spirit's in this guy. I, listen, I wish that was the description of every one of us here. People see God's Spirit on our lives, in our lives. 
Hey, he was on the scene when your dad was around, when your father, Nebuchadnezzar, was around, and he interpreted dreams. He did all this stuff. Call him in. Bring him in. He'll help you out. And so he shoots him a text. Is that what happened? No, it didn't happen. They bring him in. And Daniel gives him like a little history lesson. You remember what happened to your dad. When he walked in pride, he had to get put out to pasture till he repented. You know this. And then he said to him, but you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Sounds just like Babylon. You've lifted up your heart against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house, of God's house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know And then listen to what he says. Don't miss this. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. Whoa. Whoa. You guys catch that? Who holds our breath in his hands? The Lord does. All our ways in his hands. And what was Babylon doing? I'm good, I'm a queen, I'm royalty, got the wealth, got the stuff, I'm all good, dragging people into this with me, it's cool, I'm seducing people, and in a moment's time, boom, because what happened with Belshazzar, y'all remember the next end of the story, end of the rope for him? Oh yeah, here's the interpretation, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting, your kingdom's gone. And who was it? It was the Medes and the Persians, he said. Did they come and conquer and wipe out Babylon? No, no, no. They, 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 they diverted the Euphrates River and, and went right underneath the wall and got in and conquered without even lifting a finger. Why? Because they thought what? We're good. No, we're untouchable. We're invincible. We're good to go. And it says... That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, gone. I wonder, you know, God gives opportunity to repent, doesn't he? So what's your point, pastor? Are you going to leave us with that? No. you going to leave us on that bummer? The Apostle Paul, as he signed off, Listen to what the Apostle Paul says as he's signing off, writing to young Pastor Timmy. Is God's house great, by the way? Is this a great house, God's house? He says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So Paul says to Timothy, listen, in God's house, there are some believers, some instruments, their lives are going to be used for God's honor. Some for dishonor. Just like in any house, there's objects that are honored and there's objects that are kind of dishonorable, correct? Can I illustrate then? My parents' house, California, when you walk in the front door, in my same house I grew up in, they're still living in, you look to the left, there's vessels of honor. My mom's got like these figurines and art and all kinds of cool stuff. Vessels of honor, beautiful. But if you go down the hall, hook a right, my dad's lazy boy is over there. I didn't go as far as I needed to. And right next to it is this golden bowl 
not, gold, not real gold, it's gold color, and it's got like a funnel thing on top with a little hole in it, and it's used for chewing tobacco, <laughs> tobacco, chewing tobacco. You know, what, you know what that is, that thing, that instrument, that vessel of dishonor? Ding, it's a spittoon. In, in the house, there's some great objects of art, beautiful for honor, and then you got this vessel of dishonor. Well, I want to be a vessel of honor. I don't want to be a vessel of dishonor. What do I do? Listen to what Paul says. Here it is. This is for us this morning. It ties in exactly what we're talking about. Separate yourself from Babylon. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, voluntary purity. Lord, here's my life. I'm no longer going to be involved in the things I'm touching and messing with. Here's my life. It says, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, which means to be set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Isn't that beautiful? Lord, I want to be used for your glory. I want to be a vessel of honor this morning. It's real simple, isn't it? It's a choice you make. It's a choice I make. You can say, Lord, here's my life afresh. I'm hearing you, Lord. I've been jacking around with Babylon. My heart's been in the wrong place. I am so sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Here's my life afresh today as a living sacrifice unto you, set apart for your use, your exclusive use. As the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Lord, I want you to live through me in any way you desire. In the workplace, at home, anywhere you would lead my feet, that I would be useful in your hands, the Master's hands, for every good work. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning and the weight of it, the necessity of it, Lord. I thank you for my precious brothers and sisters. Lord, as you continue to grow us, to mold us, to shape us, we want to be those vessels of honor, Lord, in your great house. And so, Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that there's anyone that have been um, involved with Babylon, caught up, ensnared, flirting with, fooling around with, that, Lord Jesus, they would hear your voice today and come away, get away, and come unto you Thank you, Lord, that you are into freedom. I pray that we would see Babylon for who she is. One that wants to seduce and to ensnare and to enslave. Using the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Lord, may we distance ourselves from her and get closer and closer to you our good shepherd. Please, Lord, keep us close to your heart and that we would continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of you. And as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study this morning, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening this morning and you've never come to that place of a real and a genuine relationship with Jesus. And you know the Lord's reaching out to you right now. He loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. He suffered, he died and was buried and rose again on the third day. And you need to respond this morning to receive Jesus, to believe on his name. You come just as you are. Is that you this morning? He will forgive you, wash you, make you brand new, give you a fresh start, give you the hope of heaven. Is that you this morning? You come.
you respond. Let me pray with you right now if that's you. Would you raise up your hand? Can I pray with you this morning? Is that you? You're saying, yeah, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Anyone at all this morning? Anyone at all? Don't put it off. It's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. You just raise up that hand if that's you. Anyone at all? Father, thank you so much for this amazing family, this special time that you've given us to worship you. And, and we know that you desire that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And so thank you. We trust that we've done that and that we're going to continue to do that, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making us your own, bringing us into this family. And may you continue to lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And it is in your name, Jesus, your precious and your holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go and let's stand together for one more song. Oh God, you have done great 
things we dance in your freedom awaken alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things you have done great things oh god you do great Jesus, we thank you for a time of worship, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your help, Lord, and putting it into practice, God. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to receive that grace from you, Lord, and that we would be those that deny worldliness and ungodly, uh, worldly lust, Lord, and godliness, that we would live soberly, righteously, uh, and godly in this present age, Lord, as it says in Titus, looking for your soon appearing, Lord, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be about your business, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, give us boldness to share uh, to those around us, God, and we thank you now for this time of fellowship and just ask for your blessing upon it, Lord. May you be honored and glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.